This week, it's Quornan the Barbarian on If I Was a Betting Man! All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'm joined this week by uh, Jesse. How you doing, Jesse? What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, despite everything, I am I am okay. How, That's good. That's how are good you? <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good, man. You know, about the same, despite all you know, global change of uh, you know whatever the fuck we're going through. Um, but yeah, I'm good. I'm good. So we're recording this at about quarter after eight on Thursday, uh, the twenty sixth of March, and we have surpassed China as the uh, country with the most uh, Corona cases in the world. Um, That's official. When did that happen? Um, like this afternoon. Wow, sweet. Yeah. Fucking, we win, China. Yeah. Fuck you, USA. USA all the way. Uh, America. And on top of that, we live in the epicenter of uh, cases of the coronavirus in the United States, which is New York City. And uh, the situation is... I thought you meant particularly our neighborhood here in Brooklyn. Yeah. (laughs) Uh. The the fucking buildings have it in our neighborhood. (laughs) The trees have it. Yeah. no, it is uh, becoming more dire by the minute. And, uh, yeah, so we're here <laughs> We're here not to talk about that. <laughs> Thanks, John. Way to start on a yeah, note. Yeah, on a high and, note. Uh, such positivity. Thank you. Yeah, well, honestly, we got to address what's going on, and then we'll just move on to what we're really here to talk about, which is uh, we both viewed the film. Well, actually, I don't know if you watched it or not. Uh, we had discussed it. But uh, I viewed again, probably for like the, probably only like the fifth or sixth time. Uh, That's it. That's it. And I know that I know a lot of people that think that I'm uh, in the minority. You know, I I haven't seen it very many times. Um, We're going to talk about the movie Conan the Barbarian, the first Conan film. Um, really, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's breakout movie after his uh, documentaries about being a uh, jacked guy. <laughs> totally uh, jacked. This was his first acting role in which he really just plays a jacked guy. <laughs> Basically, like, I know who we could get that jacked guy. <laughs> we need a jacked guy. Who can we get? <laughs> hey, there's that guy who's got two major, like, some of the best, uh, highest grossing documentaries ever. About just uh, being a dick and lifting weights. <laughs> Let's get that guy. You know, it's funny. I've never watched any of that stuff. I know about it, like historically. I know. I mean, I've seen so much like reference material and photos and everything from his history, but I've never actually watched any of that. Like, they're kind of of their era. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. yeah, it's very seventies. It's very seventies, and he's a meathead. And, you know, he had no reason to be anything else. He's a, you know, a kid from a small town who ended up becoming, you know, Mr. Universe. Yeah, yeah. And that's what he thought the extent was going to be. And then he started a film career that eventually led him to be governor of uh, one of the largest states in the most powerful country in the world. At least not a tumor. It's not a tumor. Get to the chopper. 
Uh, we're going to get into some of that uh, in a little bit. But before we start, before we get we dive deep into Conan the Barbarian, um, what have you been watching uh, so far in your seclusion? Oh, wow. Uh, that's, uh, that's a good question. I, uh, I've been all over the fucking gamut. I've actually only gone back like a couple of years. I've been watching two shows specifically. And I'm thoroughly enjoying both of them. They're not great, but I'm really enjoying. Have you watched uh, uh, Altered Carbon? No, I have not. Okay, it's fun. Uh, it's kind of a I don't know if you're like a William Gibson fan or how much hard sci-fi you get into, but uh, Altered Carbon is a show that came out a few years ago. Um, I, I, I'm only on the first season. I think the second season just came out recently. But uh, the it's very. Uh, uh, like I said, hard sci-fi, like Johnny Mnemonic, uh, wet wire implants. It's basically about the fact know. that you are, uh, you're not your body. You're, you're like a, a thing they call a stack, which is a piece of your spinal column that inserts into the, the base of your skull. So bodies are, uh, interchangeable. Wow. Yeah. And we're kind of, we're kind of, you know, very, you know, very, uh, Blade Runner territory of, uh, not being able to tell who's uh yeah like you could, like so and so could be in so and so's but like there's any any you know just you know you can run down the rabbit hole with that all you want but uh this is you know it's kind of like a it's kind of like a crime noir kind of thing as well there's a murder to be solved and the main guys an ex military blah 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 but it's you know it's set in like a you know very you know uh dystopian future kind of thing and that's super fun um the other one I've been watching is uh, uh, Black Sails. Have you watched that at all? Oh, that's the pirate one. Yeah, the it came out on Stars, I think, two thousand fourteen. Right. And uh, I I kind of missed it. You know, it's, I, I I love that kind of stuff, and I, you know that period of um, whatever. You think pirate, awesome, obviously. Um, but yeah, this is really good because it's kind of like the it's kind of like the uh, the political take on like Nassau and it's, you know, it's got some, you know, long John silver, you know, uh, fiction, whatnot thrown in there. But it, I thought it was just going to be a bunch of ship battles and like whatever. And it turns out it's like this whole up and down between like the, you know, trying to turn Nassau into a legitimate, like a, um, setting up a government. government. Yeah, exactly. So it went from me being like, oh, it's just going to be a bunch of pirate shit to like, oh, shit, this is like multi-leveled, you know. I mean, um, I have to say, I kind of want to see a show that's just some pirate shit. Well, so they get into that. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of there's a lot of that, you know, like it. it but it, it, the funny thing is, is it actually comes a little later, like doesn't come for like another like like four or five episodes into into the season where you start getting like real like battle stuff and whatnot but most of it's like it's a lot of like just you know talk and like you know chess moves which i really dig you know there's a so, yeah, line the the, there's a line in the first pirates of the caribbean movie where um like a maid says to uh kira knightley yeah. um but you're the governor's daughter and it's just like that's like a pirate thing where pirates go to an island and they they kidnap the governor's daughter and they hold her for ransom. Yeah. And yeah. I want shows. I want a show where they just do all of the tropes because I I don't really even know that trope. Like yeah, I barely yeah. like when she said that line. I was like, right, of course that's a thing. And I think I remember it because of the uh, um, barely played video game Monkey Island when I was in high school. 
I don't know if you played that video game. No. Luke, it was a LucasArts video game. It was fantastic. Oh, wow. it, uh, it's everyone in my family played it uh, so extensively that uh, we can we quote it all the time. But and it it was just basically uh, a game where you you choose a line of dialogue out of one out of four, and one out of four of them work, and the other three don't. Um, oh wow! I never even heard of that. Uh, it, it was a very fun game and the graphics were like way ahead of its time. And if you watch it now, it looks like incredibly terrible, but at the time it was like phenomenal. And you know, there was all these moments where you would hear the disc spinning in the drive, like going, and it was just like, Oh no, like you could feel the heat coming off of your computer yeah. as the computer melting. Yeah. As your, as the disc was trying to get, uh, the program was trying to, figure out what the fuck it was going to do with your hardware but uh what an amazing game and also i mean i want to i just really enjoy i mean it's a very dark thing and i feel like there's a lot of vikings shows and i've tried uh and i really haven't been able to get into any of them and i feel like it's because they're low budget it, it really doesn't make sense to me because if oh, this one's definitely like you know it's 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 on Stars Network, so it's I don't know if you ever watched any of the, uh, <laughs> um, the the gladiatorial uh, Spartacus no, series, but it's low budget. Uh, you should watch those; they're great. But it's the same thing. Like Stars is kind of like our it's like our higher budget Skinamax. You know, like there's a really great storyline, and then all of a sudden there's a bunch of dicks and tits. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of gore. And I you're mean, like, oh. Things went real, real heavy, real, real. Quick. It's funny because that's what Game of Thrones is too. Straight up, but just more budget. <laughs> well, is, you know, and also, like watching this stuff, but know? also good, like for a good long run, solid writing. You well, know, I mean, let's you know, let's who's who's that for? That's fucking George R. R. Martin, man. I agree, hundred percent. James changed some shit, but that dude, that dude laid the fucking foundation. I agree, but you have to take. I mean, what was great about that series was uh, the 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 problem with it was after a certain number of seasons, they had to just cram all this shit in, uh, oh, yeah. and, and they didn't know how to do it. And as soon as the book, as soon as there was no book to base it on, they lost garbage. their way. Oh yeah, garbage. You know, complete it, garbage. Yeah, he gave him an outline, and that was that. Like, they're like he's like, "Well, this is where I'm thinking about." And they're like, "Got it." perfect we we got this dude no problem right like, eh. nope. yeah no Complete it was garbage. it was uh bum, 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 bum. thanks for playing our game but you no know, it was yeah. a it was the last season was a complete miss and the second to last season was also uh problematic in a lot of ways even though there were some yeah. good scenes and he was there george R. R. martin would i mean he made millions and millions of dollars on that show uh he was there trying to help but there was just not enough, I think, uh, of the Martin influence for the last well, season. You know, that's a that's a perfect example of like you know studio execs and people looking at a thing that you know they realize they need to put a cap on at something at some point, and you know seeing you know what the, what they think their thought process is because he he doesn't have anything else to offer. There's no you know there's no more basis anymore. So like you know right there's no best selling novel they can point exactly. to and say you know this. Exactly. This source material is solid and has proven to be solid. Yeah, no, exactly. I I agree. It's uh, it's a shame. Um, but anyway, I think honestly, uh, we may not ever see that last book from George R. R. Martin. Let's not be negative. Have you read let's, all those books? 
I have. I've read them all. Uh, I've read all the books twice, uh-huh. and I've listened to the audiobooks uh, once, which I highly, highly recommend. The uh, the Audible um, audiobooks are really, really good. Um, they're all uh, the uh, who's the actor? He's in the show a few times, but uh, he actually passed away last year, so unfortunately, we won't get the last one if it does come out. But they're they're uh, they're really well done in the audiobooks, and it's it's actually fun to listen to them um, because it it gives you there's certain things that you know even reading the books twice there's certain things that I missed and I was like oh oh that's why that you know just right. you know coming from a standpoint where you can kind of you know listen to it from a different you know take it from a different you know aspect but yeah they're fun I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to remember who the who the fucking guy is let me see if I can look it up real quick um, um, okay in in the meantime while you look that up yeah go for it. Um, we decided that we wanted to do, uh, we wanted to talk about a movie because we're spending so much, all of us are spending so much time indoors, um, and we're consuming so much content that we wanted to talk about a movie that we've seen dozens of times or, you know, has been a part of our lives that we've, you know, watched when we were young and we've watched recently and we still enjoy. Um, that was sort of my thought process. And the movie that we arrived on is uh, Conan the Barbarian, which I don't know. Oh, yes. How many Oscars was it nominated for? That I couldn't tell you. Zero. <laughs> Z- I, should, I, should I believe it's zero. <laughs> I, I don't think it was uh, any Oscars. Um, that not, being not a one, not even uh, best. Uh, like sound mixing design. <laughs> I mean, the costumes uh, are pretty basic. Uh, it's mostly, I mean, maybe they could have best strength coach. I don't know if that was a category uh, <laughs> when the movie came out. But uh, no, I don't think this was nominated for anything. That being said, what it should have been nominated for, I'm going to say this right at the beginning. The best part about this movie, and there are a lot of good things, and there are a lot of bad things, but the best part about this movie is the soundtrack. The soundtrack is phenomenal. The music from the beginning to the end is absolutely amazing. It makes everything better. Every scene is heightened by the music that's playing in the background. It's like an orchestral, you know, the composition's amazing. They, you know, there are crazy scenes that are super dark and there's a, like, uh, there's a waltz playing in the background, and it is phenomenal. I really love the music pairing to this uh, gory, uh, sort of raw action film that has very limited special effects. Some puppets, some, uh, I don't know, inflating faces as they slowly turn snake-like. But uh, and I should say, uh, you're, you're, are you going to talk shit about the fucking practical effects in this movie? I think the practical effects Already? of this movie were probably, uh, I don't know, ten years ahead of its time. Oh my god, so good. Maybe so fifteen good. years ahead of its time. I mean, it's 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 before any CGI, and what yeah. you know, with that, you, you know what? Let's just start at the beginning. All right. So, the, did you find that actor's name, by the way? Oh yeah, it's uh, Roy Dotrice. Who did he play on the show? Uh, 
and now I can't find that either. <laughs> he had he, all his all his parts on the uh, show were just bit parts. He was just like side whatever. But uh, he's been uh, Jesus. Of course, I looked it up and then started looking up the soundtrack to <laughs> Basil Polidaris. Yeah, was, uh, Basil Polidaris. Oh my god, so good, RoboCop, dude. Yeah, I mean that's. Of course, it, of course, RoboCop. So anyway, the first thing, I did not know that Oliver Stone co-wrote this movie. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite thoughts about this. That's that's Why such not? a strange thing. I mean, it would have been so early in Oliver Stone's uh, career. Oh, yeah. I mean, he hadn't done much of anything before that, like, you know, just writing-wise. And uh, him and, it, you know, it's funny, they, they kind of pulled... They were going to cut him out completely. And then him and Milius, uh, they finally, after, you know, uh, Dino De Laurentiis uh, finally solidified the entire thing. And they were like, okay, this is this and this is your directing or whatever. We're using this. Um, Oliver Stone had written all this. He'd written like mutants into it and like all this, you know, all, you know, stuff that Robert E. Howard had, you know, all these right. fictional monsters and because he was a huge shit. pulp guy when he was a kid he yeah yeah loved all that all those pulp books and i mean when you think about the covers of those pulp books i mean those are absolutely amazing and oh i mean don't get me started are you talking about the conan one specifically because that's frank Rosetta. oh yeah right exactly he's the artist uh i mean amazing covers of this incredibly jack dude with a massive with a massive sword that has had huge influences on the culture and well, also I think, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves i mean i could talk about that stuff you know on a whole podcast by itself but you know i, I truly believe that most of the reason any of these films were made and this you know this sword and sorcery genre became fucking anything throughout the 80s was because of frazetta you know, like right. that he was he was the reasoning. I mean, he was the you know, he was. Well, how could you, know, you not pick like, up that book when you see the art on the cover? I mean, there's no exactly. art inside. It's all, uh, you know, it's all exactly. text. But how could you not? I mean, um, what was that terrible Disney movie um, with an, it was another pulp, very similar. Um, oh, boy, I can't remember it. But it was a complete box office flop because it was sort of similar to the. uh how this uh, played out in that the covers were absolutely amazing and then the interiors maybe not as good and that's sort of exactly what the movie was in that it had a phenomenal uh, promotion and it was filmed very well, high budget, but the story sucked. And you would have that with these pulp books because these guys were expected to write so many of them in a short amount of time and by a short amount of time, you know, three months, you know, write a novel. I mean, I think Robert E. Howard was getting paid like fucking half a cent, like a word, you know? And, you know, at that time, I mean, this, I don't know if you know any major history about like Robert E. Howard. No, I don't. I know nothing. Who the guy was, like who created Conan. But he created Conan. Yeah. Well, he was, uh, he was from central Texas, man. And he was, uh, you know, he was kind of a fucking good old boy that grew up in this fucking tiny town and like, was very God fearing and like loved his parents very much. And, um, it, it's interesting that this, this kind of character who, uh, you know, he created like, you, you know, his first, you know, his first thing was Cole the Conqueror. I don't know if anybody knows that. Oh, sure. Yeah. So he, you know, he made that, he started writing those. He also created Solomon Kane. 
Um, I don't know what is, that is. Know. Well, Solomon Kane was kind of like a uh, like a a Van Helsing type character, like okay. a monster fighter. You know, like he would go up against vampires and you know, and the the occult and things of that nature. And Conan kind of got derived off of those characters, and uh, you know, and you know, became his own thing. But yeah, uh, uh, Robert E. Howard was a he was like a fucking good old boy from Texas, man. He was this small town dude who just kind of fell in love with writing and just couldn't keep himself away from it. And like, that was really, you know, his, his thing, but you know, he had a really tragic life as well. He didn't right. really make much of himself. And, you know, these stories were, you know, in most people's minds in you know, 1930s, just you cause know, right. Cause the point, writing, nobody gave a shit, you know, like, right. I mean, you know, cause the point, is, the point of sale was, you know, pocket change. And yet it was on every newsstand in the country. So yeah. he had this massive audience with, you know, minimal, you know, the company that made it, made it, may have made a little bit of money, but he didn't make any money. And it's amazing the impact he had on the culture. So let's, let's also say that John Milius also, he co-wrote this with Oliver Stone and yeah. he directed the movie also. And John Milius, uh, very famous uh, screenwriter. He wrote the first two Dirty Harry movies, which are fantastic movies. Um, and they hold up. They're very 70s, um, but they still hold up. Um, and he also wrote and directed the movie, the original Red Dawn. <laughs> you love Red Dawn. I love Red Dawn. You're in your voice. <laughs> I love that radiator. movie. That movie is... That movie is a movie that I would love to talk about on a podcast. That movie, oh, I'm into it, man. We'll I, do that at a later date for I sure. could talk about that movie all day. I mean, it is such a child's fucking uh, dream of what a war would be like. It is so. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how he does it, but he is in the shoes. Like when when he pulls those teenage girls out of the basement, and they're like, "Yeah, just the grandfather's like, yeah, take my two granddaughters." It's like you got to be kidding me. This is such a male 13-year-old's dream of what this would be. All right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, He also wrote Apocalypse Now, which is, uh, you know, considered one of the greatest movies ever made. Um, All right. So this movie starts out with a voiceover from Mako, um, who... Mako. Mako, right. Mako, who other uh, nerds may know as uh, the villain from Samurai Jack, right? Uh, I mean, he's done. He's done a lot. Yeah, absolutely. He's done a lot, but yeah, that's a good one. But he does the voiceover. It's it's like it's like the the guy called him and was like, "Hey, I want you to do exactly the voice you're doing at the beginning of uh, Conan." And I would do it now, but it's very offensive if I do, so I'm not going to. (laughs) Um, But it's you should put the audio in. It's I I we can't because iTunes will flag it and take it down. That's copyrighted material. They don't allow us to do that. So at the beginning, it's uh, a small tribe living in a uh, snow-covered mountain village, and the there's a dad, and he's talking to his kid about how great steel is. You know, steel is the thing. Hey, you know the gods, and there's a whole the best dialogue ever written. The Sumerian, uh, you know, thought process on Krom and his uh, right, the, the enigma of steel. Right. So the the beginning is the father worships this god Krom, um, which what a terrible name for a god. It, 
You know what I mean? It sounds like when you, it's like, uh, Take a shit or something. It's uh, it, there's something. It's like the noise of a p of a piano key that's out of tune. It's like crom crom. You know what I mean? It's like a, just a. Listen, gl- this this goes back to what I was talking about, Robert E. Howard. If you read, if you read like why crom is so important, but also like what it means, like it, it kind of comes across in the film in certain ways. Like when when Schwarzenegger says that when he's like crom, like it's you know it's like it's a it's a fear it's you know it's it's a truly god-fearing like word you know so it comes across in the books much more i know we're talking about the movie but i could you know I could go on no we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about the movie the whole time so yeah. you got you got this guy who's like a badass blacksmith who makes like a really good he makes like a great sword that's like the beginning yeah. that's the opening scene and you have conan like little dumb conan and at one point he's like fishing in not even a puddle like it's a piece of ground that <laughs> yeah. looks sort of moist and you're like, oh, this kid's really dumb. Like this kid's a real dope. And he's he's like bouncing the pole up and down and they get invaded by uh, this uh, incredibly strange like circus troupe. Uh, the first guy's like very well tattooed. Uh, that's a picked. That's what? That's a picked. Do you know what a pict is? No, I don't. Are you going to fucking tell me all of I won't of go it? on too far. Feel free to look it up. P-I-C-T. Yeah. It's actually written into the script. You'll, you'll see if you look up the, the script. The, the pics were like a... That's one of the things that Robert E. Howard really tried his best to do is like bring historical equivalents into his writing, which is what I thought Milius was doing his best at and putting little nuggets in there of like ancient tribes and ancient civilizations that okay so that was a real thing like a pict was a a tattooed tribe from sumeria very uh very uh very norse and very you know oh okay viking like you know did you notice that that was the only one he was like i did notice that scout you know and the rest of them were like you know he also had he also had no armor and no shirt on in a very snowy climate um, so he didn't make it probably just because of frostbite, <laughs> but so they, they take over, uh, and there's two guys, uh, who are sort of like the guys in charge. It seems like at first, and, um, they're both, uh, famous wrestlers, right? It was, uh, uh hold on. One of me... them is a wrestler and I think one of them was like a basketball no like a football player wasn't it Am well it was uh i believe it was uh rowdy rowdy piper wasn't it oh boy i hope <laughs> no, i not that's not right <laughs> no not at all um oh, no. ben davidson oh ben was, davidson uh, was rexor yeah rexor and he's uh what the hell is he doing and then there's is it subatai is that the other one no subatai is uh oh that's jerry lopez yeah he's the um, the hell is his name? Uh, the, the other guy was another was a fucking bodybuilder friend of uh, of uh, Schwarzenegger's. Oh, what the hell is his fucking name? Look at us! Look at us! All of our information is it is right it now. Luis is it Luis Barbu? No, boy, we really blew it. <laughs> See, I'm I honestly all this stuff down. I forgot. Uh. Hold on, I'm, I'm literally looking through my notes. 
Is it? No. The Pictish Scout was played by Franco Colombo, just so you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I honestly, it's it's so difficult to pull it's it out. It's going to kill me because it's the same guy. Did you ever anyway. see, uh, I mean, you've, obviously, you've seen Gladiator. With of course. Our main man. Yeah, he, it's that. It's that dude that he fights. It has the the right. fucking lion face. Oh my god! Oh, right the the former master gladiator who made exactly. his was able to exactly. retire. Um, regardless, both of the guys look like in 2020 they're still calling one nine hundred. Sven Sven Ole Thorson. Well, I mean, you got to be kidding me. His yeah, name he's has Denmark. Uh, he was a champion bodybuilder, champion powerlifter. Yeah, Ar- Arnie. That's I knew that. Arnie brought him in because he was a big fucking. So there's the one guy who like looks himself. like he's in good shape, and there's the other guy who looks like he drives a truck. Yeah, exactly. The guy who looks like he's in good shape is Sven Ole Thorson. Sven he was a, he was a, Ole, he, Ole Thorson. Thorson. Yeah, and he was a he was a bodybuilder, and he's been in tons of shit, man. He was in The Running Man, Gladiator, like all those are. Arch- uh, all, all those Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah, exactly. He was always like a he was always like a uh, a friend of Arnie's that he brought in to do like you know be the other you know fucking giant guy with muscles. So you have these two guys, you know, who look literally ridiculous. They look like complete oafs, and then James Earl Jones comes in, and we know and respect uh, James Earl Jones when this movie comes out. Um, and he takes his helmet off and he's got the sickest, shortest bangs you've ever seen in your life. He's, <laughs> I mean, he's just a bizarre looking fella, like long, straight hair. Uh, and it's a complete bizarre trio. Uh, James Earl Jones character's name is, uh, Thulsa Doom. And his two henchmen, like I said before, he looks like two guys that are still calling 1-900 numbers in, in 2020. Um, and it's a bizarre trio. They completely take over Conan's village. They kill, They cut off his mom's head in front of him. Um, oh, my God. That's one of the best scenes ever, man. When he's still holding her hand. Looks, stares, stares. Yeah, he's, Conan's standing there holding her hand, and then he stares at her and slowly turns away like she's not worth anything. Right. And this you kind of get the sense that like, maybe they might, you know, let them live and then just whoosh, backhand this, strike. This takes is a, your fucking head off and the kid. This is a kid who was fishing in a snowbank five minutes ago. So this kid, I don't know if he was really taking it to heart or if he's just a real dope. But the reality uh, is his dad gets killed. Uh, his mom gets killed. They take his dad's sword. They seem to respect uh, the steel. It's a very... Uh, Curb your enthusiasm. Do you respect wood situation with the steel? Uh, Conan really respects steel. And uh, so also does Thulsa Doom because he looks at the sword and he was like, yeah, this is a, I respect steel. I'm going to take this. Uh, And then they take Conan on a children chain gang with a bunch of other children to um, through the snow and mountains and I don't know how they filmed that. They have kids walking down the side of a mountain. Uh, and there's kids falling in the recording, like in the movie. And then they finally get out of the snow. There's like one shot where there's like uh, 10 feet ahead. There's snow. And then on the other side, it's just desert. So they they cross, they cross the plane from snow to desert. 
It's the hyperborean age, man. You don't know how the you know, geographically <laughs> things work. No, I know. Been, I know. I'm pretty sure I got a handle on it. They go. <laughs> they go. It was literally there were two climates in that era. It was either fucking freezing cold and you didn't wear any clothes, or it was the fucking desert and you wore a shirt for that for some reason. Um, they crossed to the desert, and uh, Conan's job with. 25 other kids is to push this wheel that looks like it's grinding something. You know, there's like stone things in the middle. It looks like maybe it's grinding wheat. We don't know. But at the beginning down their souls, it it sure is. And at the beginning, Conan is bad at pushing the wheel and all these other kids are there (laughs) and they're carrying the weight. And then slowly over time, you see Conan's legs get bigger and it's it's a it's a crazy thing because literally they do like a you know it's like a smash cut of twenty years, um, and I don't think it's that long. It's like it's got to be because what was he like six? Yeah, maybe like maybe like you know five or six. You know, like t- I mean, I would I, the way Conan goes, I I tack maybe like a ten, like fifteen at the most. Maybe. So. Well, he's not 16 when he's Conan. He's, well, he's got to be at least 20. Well, that's what I'm saying. If he's five when he starts the wheel, give him 15 years. Maybe, maybe he's 20. Let's just yeah, also let's let's take a minute to discuss this business model. This guy is using <laughs> 25 kids, children, to push this wheel, and he's riding on a horse. The one horse. <laughs> it seems like he could have gotten more bang for his buck out of the 15 kids by using the one horse. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I because literally at the child labor is a hell of a thing. John. I mean, at the end of the now, thing, we can still utilize these. Wait, maybe I shouldn't go down this. Road. No, probably not. The reality is those children aren't worth a fucking thing because by the end, Conan's pushing the wheel by himself. And where are those other kids? Probably not college. I'm guessing that most of them didn't get wheel pushing scholarships to uh, the local state school. Uh, Each one was slowly devoured. Devoured by who? Conan. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Honestly, though, no, I don't think so because he's kind of a real baby. He's kind of a little bit of a wuss uh, at the beginning, at that point. He's just more of a wheel pusher. You know, and he's he's dumb. Like we've already established, he's kind of dumb. Because then he gets to the point where he gets to his first. What what they do is because he's so jacked, because he's so strong, they're like, we got to try this guy out um, in a what's called a pit fight. Yeah. Right. So they throw oh, him in a, one of the best scenes of the whole movie. We haven't even gotten into the meat of this movie, or, and it's the best. We've already we're oh we're thirty five minutes into the podcast. We might have to split it into two podcasts <laughs> at this point. That's fine. I'm fine with that. So, so they throw him in this pit with this guy that has meticulously sharpened teeth, <laughs> right? And the guy just starts biting Conan and Conan is, is, is doing basically it's Arnold's first dialogue ever in I was film. Just, I was just going to say my, my, it's my favorite, my favorite is this, is the beginning of Schwarzenegger's, you know, Oh, 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 
it's priceless. It's fucking great to know that he never stopped doing that. Like, I think every role has some aspect of him being like, uh, yeah. uh, He's always making a grunt. It, be, it did become sort of his signature thing. Like, even like in Predator, uh, in Terminator, he's always going, uh, like, there's always, a, uh, uh, there's always like that, like, guttural, uh, agony that he yeah. conveys in such a German way. Um, when we talk about Arnold's uh, dialogue, I did see one time an episode of 60 Minutes. I've actually referenced this on this podcast before. Um, on 60 Minutes, uh, they went with Arnold back to his hometown and he was at his house, the house he grew up in, which was owned by other people. And the woman that was his housekeeper um, at the time came up to him and started speaking to him and he couldn't understand a word she was saying. And the 60 Minutes reporter <laughs> said, uh, Arnold, um, can you not? Because he's like, hello, hi, yeah, oh, yeah, hello. And he's like, oh, can you not understand? And he's like, oh, you know, it's like a thing when you stop. It's like a muscle, you know, you stop using it, you lose. So he talks like that in English and he can't even speak the language. That makes him sound like that. So the only Eng- the only language he can speak is English. In that's all he can. <laughs> that's what he can do. He can't even speak that language anymore. He's lost it. Okay, so Conan barely wins that first pit fight, even though he's way stronger than the guy with the sharpened teeth. Um, and then there's a great, amazing smash cut of him using crazy weapons to kill all these guys oh, the over a long period. Best. They're like gloves with spikes on them. There's like... Uh, Both ends. Yeah, there's like a spike at the elbow on... I don't even yeah. know what you would call it. Um, and like he's... A gauntlet. Yeah, yeah like, a gaunt, like a leather gauntlet with a... I mean, it's all this like really... Honestly, I have to say in watching it again... Like whoever designed all that stuff did a really good job because it does like you every time it's you know thought provoking. Costumes and the props in this film are exceptional. Really good, realistic and crazy. Yes, somebody really sat down and thought about it and like made it weird without without it being like that's the that's the fun thing about it is that it's like even like that gauntlet thing you're talking about like like it's outlandish and crazy and it's totally like legitimate it's totally practical <laughs> you know, it looks looks like some scary shit somebody come up with you know without being like absolutely out. it does seem practical it seems like yeah. over like a generation of pit fighters they were like you know we gotta have a spike at the elbow like it seems like the guy like sat down and thought about what generations of people who thought in this stone hole would need to kill each other uh so then he becomes the best at the pit fighting he becomes unstoppable to the point where he's like sitting on a throne around, but he's in chains. He's still a slave. He's he's on a uh, a throne, and everybody's like, "Conan, what do you think?" And he's like, uh, uh, you know, he says stupid shit like, "Kill, just kill, kill, uh, kill oh, it." Dude, now are you talking about the scene? Wait, you're you're fast forwarding. Barely done with the pit fighting when they when they take him to the east and he becomes trained by the actual. No, not yet. No, no, we're not there yet. We're still in pit fighting. We're still, he's still a slave because then at a certain point, the guy with a red beard who was a child 
who was like the child slave master of the other children when Conan well, started. What a, great, what a great tiny bit of writing. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you if it was Milius or Oliver Stone who wrote that scene, but like the fact that that same boy was the one that originally latched him to the wheel and was the, the you know, the I mean, who knows what his story is. They just call him Red in the script, but like what a great scene where he latches him to the wheel and he, and he hits him a couple of times. He's like, fucking push the wheel. There's no dialogue whatsoever. And then we finally get to this point where he's made this man so much money and done so much for him without a question, without a, without a, a word of like why or anything, just forward. This man finally one day just pauses and says, ah, well, I can't do this to another human being anymore. I can't. But he Let killed all those on. kids. <laughs> Honestly, I like. Yeah, it, maybe he finally came to a point. I, I am, I am fast forwarding. We did not get past the. It doesn't make any going, sense going to me. To east. It doesn't make any sense to me why he frees him. I don't get why he frees him. He's just like one I, night. He's had a few drinks and he's like, you know yeah, what, Conan? He's had enough, dude. He's had enough. Enough bloodshed. Enough negativity in the world. Enough. So what did he doing. do? Become a florist? I've trained. I've trained. This <laughs> what was the next step for this, Red? This motherfucking murder machine, and I, I should probably. You know, like Mako says, you know, he's like, who knows what my master thought, you know, like. Right. Uh, so I mean, the, I skipped forward, man. We missed the whole part of them going to the east and training with the true masters. And No, that's next. Oh, no, you're right. We we did skip yeah. that. They sent him to the yeah. east. I apologize. And he trains with uh, the true fighting masters in the east. And Mako does amazing voiceover during the entire time. And. Yeah. There's a one very discon. There's a scene that uh, my uh, my girlfriend Maddie watched this with me, and she was uh, nonplussed about the scene where they put the woman in the cage <laughs> with him. The woman, yeah. Uh, the painting was avail- made available, and so he was bred to the finest stock. Right. <laughs> word yeah, for word, you, you nailed it. I mean, it's absolutely yeah. terrible. They push this incredibly scared young woman in, and it is just and very unpleasant. We're all standing around watching. Yeah, and there's a group of like literally like they're trying to breed a horse. Yeah. Uh, people standing around watching. Um, absolutely bizarre. So anyway, then uh, Conan gets freed by. Then he wins all the pit fights, and then he gets freed by the red bearded guy. For seemingly no reason, it doesn't make any I, I sense. I disagree. I think that I think the, the conscience of Red came to him after many years of whatever and seeing him, right. That would make raising. sense. He watched you know, all those maybe, kids maybe die and like a, didn't really care. It. Maybe he's a familial, you know, like he's been. He was he was raised to do this. Like his father showed him and blah blah blah. And finally, all of a sudden, he raised the ultimate fucking person. He well, made the ultimate fucking killer. He, there's no way to you know, can't keep a fucking wolf in a cage man you let that shit go think about it the other way maybe he let all those other kids go and just not conan <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. maybe That's a good he point. was like uh you know what brian you're a nice kid you, you go on get out of here uh there's a denny's down the street go go get yourself a french slam hey dave you know what today's your last day no, no, go on, go on, and Conan's like, and he's like, shut up, Conan, push the wheel, push, push the wheel, you idiot. Uh, <laughs> that's terrible. Um, so then, so Conan's freed, and he's like, sort of wandering the steps 
he's wandering the the desert and all these wolves descend upon him and he's being chased by them and he he falls into a tomb and uh he sees there's at the at one end of the tomb there's there's like skeletons lining the walls you know seemingly Atlanteans seemingly soldiers right uh very could be because at the beginning of the movie uh Mako does say that uh um what was it it was the time uh after Atlantis and before Oceans drank Atlantis right yeah <laughs> great well, I mean that was that was a huge thing what I was telling you about, uh, I was saying earlier about uh, Robert E Howard was uh the fact that he tried to write in you know quote unquote historical things and like what would the thought process of ancient um, civilizations and uh, history. Yeah, it turns out they weren't thinking. The Atlantean thing. They weren't thinking a, too hard, a, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the Atlantean <laughs> thing was a big was a big thing within his within his writing. But anyway, so so he falls in this tomb, and there's like a a guy. There's like you know seemingly a king, somebody of high standing, sitting on a throne, and it's his you know. It's his skeleton. It's his decayed corpse. And he's got a big, cool sword. And Conan immediately, because of his limited knowledge, says, Krom? <laughs> yeah. When it's clearly not Krom. It's just a guy. It's just a guy yeah. in the, you know. And I, I have a buddy who I've watched this movie before. He's like, no, that was Krom. It's like, no. Because exactly. everything that happens going forward that is unexplainable, Conan goes, Krom? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally everything. I don't that understand Crom. He... Yeah, exactly. Crom? Crom? Yeah, exactly. Uh, he gets a parking ticket at one point. He's like, <laughs> but Crom. it's it's Tuesday alternate side. And it was before 9 a.m. Crom? Uh, so... He takes the sword of this guy. He thinks he's got Krom's sword, so he's like, like he's uh, strengthened by it. He's what is the word? Buoyed, whatever. Uh, he he feels good, and he uh, goes out. He kills all those wolves, and he yeah. somehow does a great job tanning their hides, and he puts on his brand new like wolf suit. Yeah, looks great, and he's sort of uh, bebopping. Feels his- great. He's bebop. He feels really good. He feels strong. He's bebopping and scatting all over Sumeria, and he comes <laughs> upon uh, like a hut, and there's like a there's like a scantily clad woman who is like standing in the curtain doorway of the hut, which I have to say, um, thermally, you know, from a I don't know what the R value of that you know blanket was going to establish for that hut. I was actually concerned about them. Um, over the colder uh, months of the year. But uh, he goes in and she's some sort of, uh, what would you call her? Oh, she's like a, I mean, she's a witch. She's know, a she's witch, a- but he throws her into the fire and she becomes a ball of energy that, you know, so basically she tries to seduce Conan at first and he's kind of into it for a second and then it gets a little weird and he makes some it's of those, he makes some of those noises. Well, that's because she's biting him. Right. Just like that guy with the sharpened teeth. 
and he tosses. Maybe that's his only. Maybe that's his only shit, man. That's his only. Start biting his ass. Yeah, but you know, later in life, that was the only thing that turned him on. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know when he was yeah. No, doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt, bite. Uh, so he eventually, he doesn't care for the biting. He tosses her into the fire and she becomes this like strange specter, like a, a ball of energy that shoots out. And of course, the well, first thing out of his say, mouth, like, these are, these are the little things like it was just a quick little thing, but like, these are the kind of things that I really liked about, uh, this movie that they did put in, like, right. which they took away from like Oliver Stone's parts of Oliver Stone's script right. was the, the sword and sorcery stuff. Like it, I think that's it's very very important to the Robert E. Howard and whatnot. So even though you couldn't do all the crazy, you know, we'll get to it later in the in the film. But there, you know, there's more, you know, later. But it's uh, it it really drives home like there, you know, there's these ancient powers and ancient absolutely things. unexplainable yeah. shit is going on. Yeah, and yeah, it well. is it is a higher power. No, I agree 100. percent It completely puts you in a different uh, headspace. Uh, going forward because this isn't myth like you see it happen to him and it's bizarre and it's unexplainable and the first thing that conan says is crom (laughs) (laughs) he thinks that he almost fucked crom um (laughs) so then uh conan comes out of the hut and there's this guy chained to the wall and he just wants to get unchained before all those wolves that conan previously killed eat him so conan thinks he's funny and they become fast friends subatai 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 is the best jerry lopez man subatai is the best subatai is you know great that jerry lopez was uh was john good buddy of john milius's was not an actor really yeah, Jerry Lopez was a professional surfer. Really? He was, yeah, he was. Uh, him and John Milius used to surf together. That was their thing. They would go down to the beach. They'd probably smoke a little fucking reefer, drink some beers, and they would fucking surf all day long. That was Jerry Lopez. And uh, while they were working on this, Milius was like trying to find a, like you know, not to sound racist, but he wanted to find like an Asian-looking, you know, actor. He wanted this Mongolian-looking. Right person, and he and he threw his buddy a bone. He's like, "How do you feel about being in this movie?" He was like, and oh, he's good. Yeah, he's great. He's well. I mean, he went through a bunch of apparently went through a bunch of training and a bunch of you know acting classes, and then uh, he's he said about in interviews before Mako actually took him under his wing and was like the, their their connection became like very real. They became friends while they were doing the filming of this, and uh, yeah, that was that was the whole start of Jerry Lopez being in the film at all. That's so cool. Um, yeah, super cool. So, uh, Conan and Subutai, they immediately become, Conan frees him, they immediately become buddies, and then they just, do, they just jog places. They just jog. <laughs> they as, totally like jogging, dude. They yeah, love jogging. jogging. They yeah. could walk. Nope. The two of them, it's, the sun is shining, they're gonna just run to wherever the fuck they're going. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic i love it there's just like a bunch of shots in a row of them jogging through different terrain up a mountain through a field in a marsh and it's just the two of them laughing like great big smiles on their faces and they're just running it's fast i love it it's just it just adds honestly it adds another level of these guys it was a different era where you had to 
not even really had to go anywhere. You didn't really have anywhere to go. But no matter what you're going to do, you're going to get to nowhere as fast as possible. So him and his buddy just jog places. Finally, they get to a city. Uh, It's the first time Conan's seen any sort of civilization. Uh, And... uh, You guys what it smelled like there? Jesus. Yeah, they... Like Dublin in 1390 or whatever. Right. Or like uh, Glasgow on Saturday night at like (laughs) 1245 a.m. Once all of the puking and shitting has wrought the streets unwalkable. Um, So they... They walk around. Conan is unimpressed by the whole thing, especially the smell. And then they take a thing called Black Lotus. Oh, man, that's one of the best scenes ever, too. You know who that is? Black Lotus, Stygian, the best. Right. That's Ron Cobb. He was the art director for the whole film. He was also the art director for Star Wars and uh, Alien. Really? Hold on, because the the thing with the art directors for Alien, because weren't there two... Yeah. Because what happened was there was one director attached, I think, and they had hired an art director. Or there were two art directors attached to two different directors, and then the third director uh, decided to take both of their completely opposite designs because one was the stark modern uh, interior of the of the ship, and the other was the, the planet and the exo... Uh, which well, it was H.R. Giger. Yeah, well, Giger, that was the original alien. Ron Cobb was alien. Uh, he did uh, not the not the first one, the second one. Aliens. Okay. So uh, let's see. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He did a bunch of not storyboards, but a bunch of like, you know, concept art, concept art, and you know things like that for Star Wars, and then uh, and then Alien. Yeah, that no, was Aliens. Yeah, because Giger was the—he did everything on Alien, the first one. Well, he did the um, well. What's the Alien called that they eventually the the Xenomorph? No, well, he did the Xenomorph, but he also did the the Alien that the Xenomorph was in on the strange planet in the, oh, the in the ship. Yeah, the, that they yeah, eventually the, uh, they call the him engineer. the Traveler, I think, or the Engineer. Yeah, the engineer. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and eventually they expanded on his character poorly, but um, in later uh, worse movies. But um, in he designed that ship, which is bizarre. He designed that room and the hallways, which are bizarre. Oh no, he did do Alien. I'm sorry, I was thinking of Aliens. No, it is Alien. Yeah, it's the first one for sure. Yeah, Ron Cobb did. Uh, let's see, a bunch of stuff for. So what did he do? Wow. He... Sleeping Beauty, uh, Dark Star. Wow. Uh, Star Wars. Oh, he worked on Hordorowski's Dune in the 70s, which never happened. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Concept art for Alien, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Close Encounters. Cool. Yeah. Conan was, yeah, Conan was like his fifth, fifth or sixth film. Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah, a bunch of stuff. The Hitchhiker's Guide for the Last BBC. Star, he did a bunch of stuff for Last Starfighter. Remember that one? Oh, the Last Starfighter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Back to the Future. Yeah, 
Amazing really? stories. Yeah, yeah, totally. So he was Spielberg's guy. Yeah, he did a bunch of shit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, impressive resume. Who yeah. knows the impact that that guy had on the Oh, country. and he worked on Aliens as well. He worked on the second one with Jim Cameron. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's been around the, around the fucking block. Well, the funny thing was, I think that whole, uh, there's two scenes, and the, and the one they didn't cut was the Ron Cobb scene, where he sells him Black Lotus after he tells him about the snake cult. And uh, there was another scene during the day where they're walking through the city, and uh, uh, Milius is in the movie, and it was his cameo. And he's selling a uh, lizard on a stick. Ah. And they, and he's like, lizard on a stick, good. You go fast. Buy now. And they, and they like buy two lizards on a stick. And like Arnold Schwarzenegger tries to eat a dried <laughs> lizard on a stick. Right. Actually, got, there's a piece of that, that in the movie where he's like, it's good. And he eats like yeah, too yeah. many of them. Um, and it, I, it probably made him sick in the original, like, in the script, but in the it didn't make it into the movie. Right. <laughs> I don't know because you could tell like he shouldn't have been eating that. I mean, have you eaten like a lizard on a stick? I mean, sure, who knows? sure. It's uh, we're we're getting to that point, John. So. We're, we're in quarantine. I we're <laughs> we're eating everything. Um. So he gets high on the black lotus. He. First, he's told about the snake cult, which is intriguing to him because he's looking for, um, he's looking for Tulsa Doom, who had a helmet that had snakes, and his sword had snakes, and he, very snake centric fella. Um, and he knocks out a camel after he gets high on the, which is a crazy scene. I don't know how they shot that. I watched it like four times. Because he takes a swing and the camel falls down and there is a cut, but it's like, it's very well done. I don't know how they shot that because they do it perfectly. The camel, it's it's really incredible. I hope that Arnold didn't actually knock out that camel. There I was, was a lot of PETA activists, uh, whatnot, for animal endangerment during this film. I'm sure there during, were. They were pissed about a lot of the horse problems and the, you know things like that later so, on in the film <laughs> so who knows arnie probably punched a fucking camel i mean <laughs> it's, they may have had to write that right black right. lotus scene just because he took some edibles and decided to fucking go off on a couple of the set pieces <laughs> um so then they decide that they're gonna raid their they've been told about the these snake towers that are coming up in every town, right? Um, and they decide in the, that there's riches in there. Then they're going to basically rob the snake tower. Um, he doesn't seem to know that he's tracing back to his uh, the people that killed his family, right? He, right. he doesn't know. Um until he's inside. So the first thing that happens is they, they get to the base of the snake tower. They're about to break in and they meet a, I don't know what you would call her, like a buxom gladiator female. A Valkyrie, man. A Valkyrie, whose name is Valeria. Is that right? Yep. And, right. and, and, all Bergman. and how do what is, what was she? Was she, she was an actor? Yeah. She wasn't like a bodybuilder or anything? No, just an actress. 
Um, she's great in the movie. Yeah, she's 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 a. Uh, it's funny she never had like a huge career, but like uh, she did go on to do. She, she was also in the in Red Sonia. I don't know if you ever saw the the uh, the. It was like a weird continuation film of this, but Schwarzenegger was in it as well, but did not play Conan. He played like sort of a Conan-ish figure. No, I didn't see it. Was Milius involved at all? No, it was uh, uh, Red Sonia was played by uh, uh, the lovely Brigitte Nielsen. Ah, that makes sense. You should you should watch it. It's one of those. So this the success of this film was so big that they tried to like keep that shit going, and it was like no, no. <laughs> right. That was the, that was one of the biggest things about this movie. That was like that that Oliver Stone and, and Milius we're trying to write in the beginning is that they wanted to do it. It was supposed to be a trilogy. Well, I mean, it's clear, it's clear, you know, we'll get there at some point, but it's clear by the end of the movie that they were not done. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not at all. Um, so anyway, Jesse, we are, uh, approaching an hour of recording time. <laughs> so I think we're, we're, we're almost halfway through the movie. I think we put a pin in this and we reconvene. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. I you know I got a funny thing. I don't think we're anywhere near the end. I think this might have to be. We're gonna have to speed this up with the next one or, or do it in a in a trilogy. We could do it in a trilogy. I have no interest in speeding it up. I'm enjoying myself, right. and I well, think that's the too. most important thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna put a period on this uh, for now. We're gonna put an ellipsis on this. And we're going to come back. So basically, Conan has just gotten to the first snake tower. So we're we're basically about a third of the way into the movie. That's absolutely correct. Um, And we're going to record another one of these very soon. And we're going to talk about uh, the rest of the movie. Uh, Jesse, thank you so much for uh, joining. You added so much insight. You killed it. Thanks for having me, John. This is awesome, man. I really like doing this shit with you but like I also obviously like talking about some of my favorite films yeah uh I mean you thank god you were here because it would have been just completely surface nonsense if you hadn't added (laughs) if you hadn't added all that insight um and we want to give a shout out to Vinny uh miss you Vin miss you miss you buddy uh Vinny's not feeling well we're gonna get him back real soon um Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Tune in next time for part two of Quornan, the the Barbarian, Um, as we are in quarantine and we are uh, watching way too much television. That is the goddamn truth. Uh, (laughs) Uh, We'll see you next time on If I Was a Betty.